on this episode of the Magic Business Podcast. And I learned that early from Lance Burton. Listen to your audience. Everyone thinks their stuff's great and you want it to be great. And I have stuff that I thought was going to just kill and would always be in my show. And I've tried it for months. And it's got to work. What can I do? And just sometimes it doesn't. And you got to listen to your audience. Welcome to the Magic Business Podcast, where we share insightful and delightful inner secrets about the business of magic. This is where magic professionals present their real-life experiences and some of their most guarded secrets to help further your career in the magical arts. I'm your host, Christian Painter, in partnership with the TheMagicOracle.Club, where you can hear all of our Magic Business Podcasts. Michael Trix is based out of the Florida Keys, where he has had a residency show at Lorelei for the last 21 years. He also works at Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill and Gilbert's Resort in Key Largo. He has performed private parties for President Jimmy Carter. He has recently performed at a number of magic conventions and is now in great demand for his lectures. I'm excited today to have Michael Trix on. And when I asked our listeners, what do you want to know from Michael Trix? And I was thinking... It's going to be his very unique business model. But everyone told me, no, ask him why nothing ever falls off his table. Well, you're going to get your wish because we have Michael on now. Welcome to the show, Michael. Christian, hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, you threw me off when you told me what the subject was going to be. I thought for sure it was going to be about uh, the, you know, my business thing down here. But they want to know about uh, tables. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, well, and in fact, I'll even tell you a story that I heard from one of our listeners who said they watched you at a... Uh, a convention and you had backed into your table and it fell over and everyone they said everyone that was sitting next to him said nothing fell off the, the, the and you just picked the table on you you picked it you know you picked it up went on with your show but we're still using things <laughs> off the table and people actually thought that was part of like it was an you legitimately did that just to mess with their heads right. so, but but the, but the reality is this Lorelei is an outdoor venue and you've learned that you have to be creative to work within the weather is that correct Absolutely. Um, I've learned a lot of being out there 21 years doing it. The elements, the wind, rain, different directions of the wind is a big thing sometimes. So stuff happens once, falls off your table or whatever what blows away and you find a way to fix it. And it's been a lot over the years. So um, things are pretty tight now. <laughs> <laughs> so so try to give me one maybe uh, trick or one thing that you do that you had to learn how to not have it blow away. Uh, I would say uh, glasses of liquid on a table that maybe the table's not sturdy or, you know, I'm on a deck. Somebody could walk by and the boards wiggle and a, ta a glass could topple off of, of your table. Uh -huh. um, and that, like most of my stuff, comes down to uh, magnets. I originally took the uh, magnet out of Rocco's Ultimate Sleeving Gimmick and um, hot glued it in the bottom of my glass. And, and then the table's metal, but I put an, another shim underneath it. And so you can bump that table and that glass isn't going anywhere. <laughs> the liquid, I mean, the whole table, if it falls over, the liquid will come up, but the glass will still be on the table. <laughs> okay. Wow. And then, and then um, you're still able, so the magnets aren't so strong that it's difficult to pull the, the glass off then, I guess. No, it's, it's weird how strong it holds, but just tilting it at the little angle, it pops right off. So yeah, never having an issue with that. Okay. And, and so let's talk about the table itself. Cause even, you know, with a, with a little gust of wind, tables can get knocked over pretty easily, right? Yeah, and I'm actually using very light tables. If you know what instands are, do you know those yes. tables? Yes. Yeah. Uh -huh. um, they're very light, made for computer, for laptops, and uh, they, but they pack so small and they're light for travel and stuff. 
but um, a secret to those is um, I put the, the feet instead of flat on the ground, I point them up one click. There's different levels you can set them at. And I use um, five pound dive weights that divers put in their, in their dive belts to get them to the bottom of the ocean. They're little lead five pound weights. So they're very small, but very heavy. And they sit perfectly in the angle of that table. And then I have a little um, a cloth cover with fringe on it that goes around to cover that up so it's not um, ugly looking to see the, the weight there. But I spray paint them black so they blend in with the table anyway. And uh, they won't blow over. Weighs them down nice. Wow. All right. So give me, give me something that surprised you that you thought, nah, this will be fine out there in the outdoors. And then you're like, oh, no, it's not fire <laughs> but uh I've, I've worked with that too um depending on which direction the wind's coming from but it uh you know i do a lot of fire effects in the show but the biggest thing is probably eating fire because it only takes a second of a gust of wind to heat up a flame to burn your your lip or whatever but that's the reason i put a parasol on the opening of my show so i always have an umbrella sitting behind me and at the end of the show when i'm eating the fire i pick up the umbrella and hold it behind my head and tilt whichever way the wind's coming so i have a little cover around my head with the, with the umbrella to block the wind so I can still eat the fire out there. Yeah, I'm going to assume, because of the way that you just said this, that you have been burnt before you learned this secret. I still get burnt often. Oh, okay. It, it, it comes with the territory, but um, not not so bad, you know. Um, it, without it, it would surely be worse without having the cover. I'm, I'm right on the water pretty much, too, so the wind's just sometimes ripping off the water, and uh, it gets bad sometimes, and Again, depending what direction it's coming from, if it's in my face or at my back, um, it can be challenging for, for all the tricks, you know. Oh, wow. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that, uh, and, and I think that's good for the listeners to know. That if you're going to do fire, you're probably going to get burnt, right? Oh, uh, yeah. I and, mean, and, Yeah, and I say it because, you know, the people who do the danger monte thing with the knife, or if you're doing razor blades from, from the mouth, these are tricks that are dangerous, inherently dangerous, and if you do them enough, you will get eventually you're gonna yep definitely. so no matter what you pick your poison as we say if you're okay with yeah. getting a little bit burnt if you're okay knowing that you'll probably stab that nail one day <laughs> you're gonna cut your tongue on a razor blade then understand this is this is what you're doing right so is there what any other tricks that you're doing with the fire to make sure that it's super safe with this windy area you need enough lighter fluid that it's going to burn. Oh, like, a, um, say like a vanishing candle that would blow out in a second with the tiny little wick on there. So I take juggler's wick, cut a little piece and attach it to the top of the candle with like wire around it. So it's more of a vanishing torch than a candle because the little candle wick would never stay lit out there. And that's the opening of my show. So you don't want to, you know, wow. start the show and right away the thing blows out. So I have a nice big wick. Uh, it's more of a vanishing torch than candle. Um, <laughs> vanishing <laughs> torch. That's great. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh -huh. it's pretty big. Now, what about um, simple things? Because um, having worked outside a few times, things that I was surprised at is if you're doing like uh, a silk effect or even a rope effect, that wind can kind of blow it in a funny way, right? Well, yeah, if you're doing like this or um, like Kozak's that bottle production, you know, with the silks and it's got the bottle inside, <laughs> not a good trick for outside because if it's windy, Three of the silks are blowing sideways, except you're loaded with the bottles hanging straight down because it's the only heavy one there. But um, you can do little um, fishing weights on the bottom of your silks, too, to help weigh them down. I saw them uh, just in the bottom of the silk. So when I'm holding it, it's got a little extra weight to it. Wow. I mean, I don't. Yeah. So I think one of the things our listeners need to take into effect is you. I mean, you really have thought out everything. 
I mean, I don't think there's so many people who would have thought, oh, okay, let me start sewing weights in the bottom of my silks. Yeah, I started with just um, like using nuts or, you know, from nuts and bolts. But um, then I found out, again, uh, it's smaller and heavier, lead little fishing weights. I live in a fishing community, so that diving, that's why I end up with the dive weights and gotcha. the fishing weights. But they all, they all work great. And, you know, they're, they're small and they're heavy to weigh stuff down. Uh, so between weights, magnets, and Velcro, uh, my stuff doesn't go anywhere. Now, what about ropes? Let's go back to ropes. How, how do you okay. handle those? Um, you know, I, I do a rope thing in my show, which I'm actually switching over to a uh, rib, cut and restored ribbon thing now, and it's, uh, same thing that's going to blow sideways. So you learn to, to work with it. Um, I do a little thing where I actually uh, step on the bottom of the rope and I'm holding it up and, you know, I play it like a bass because I used to be a bass guitarist. And so, I mean, if it's going to blow, you just work with it. You can still snap it back and and grab it or, you know, you just got to work with it. I learned to to roll with it. Okay. If it's it's blowing, uh, let it blow for a second. You know, sometimes you got to work between the gusts when if it's bad out there, you know. So uh, pick and choose your spots too. Work between the gusts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> there's the title of the of the yeah. uh, podcast. Work I think that's it. When you write yeah. this book, you've got the title right there. Yeah. Um, what about card tricks? How many card tricks in your show? Uh, none. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, yeah, no, no card tricks in my stage show. I love card tricks. I do a lot of them. Uh, you know, sometimes at the comedy clubs, outdoors. Uh, you know, I'm in a venue. Uh, where, you know, there's a couple Jeff McBride always says there's two types of crowds, thinkers and drinkers. And I'm pretty much working for drinkers. These people have worked all year long to come on vacation and get drunk. And, uh, that's, uh, I just found that, you know, Hey, want to see a card trick doesn't work on stage when you're trying to get people to, uh, stay there and watch your show. So I just, uh, kind of plus wind cards, not a, a really good idea either. They're going to fly, you know, all over the place. Okay, now, I'm just going to push this just a little bit. Um, if you were going to do a card trick outdoors, is there yeah. some way that that would be a smart way to do it? Let's take away the fact that you've got your drinker crowd, but yeah. just even, okay, I want to do a card trick for whatever reason because I'm not going yeah, I mean, to I've done. I mean, I have done card tricks out here. I, I do um, mm-hmm. the card, card and bottle with the cigar boxes. Uh, once in a while, I'll put that in. Uh, it's a little storytelling thing. That, that's a, a great trick. Um, if you're going to set the deck down, like uh, on your table and, and it's going to be windy, you know, that it's going to start flying off of there. Uh, rat traps or mouse traps work great. You paint them black and just lift up the thing and you can clip the, the cards underneath there. Oh, wow. Um, you know, hot glue it to your table and then you just got to lift up the little metal part. Obviously don't set the trap like a trap, but you just <laughs> use the, the, the spring, spring loaded thing to, to hold stuff down. They'll hold, you know, scarves, cards, anything light, uh, is good, uh, for that. I learned that from they do that. Uh, they used to have them on the bar here for people to put their tips on the bar so they wouldn't blow away the little mouse trap ah, snap okay. it on there. So, yeah, um, cards, if they're in your hand, you know, if it's windy, you don't want to be doing any kind of tossing cards because they're just going to fly away. Um, so either hold on to them or secure them when you put them down if it is windy. Wow. Okay. Um, so when you're developing a new piece for your show, is that the number one thing you think about is like how is this going to handle the wind? Yeah, uh, sometimes you just got to get it out there and see what happens on a windy night. Um, so, but I, I right from scratch, I have to consider that because you know, I'm six nights a week out here for 10 months straight every year. So, it's my stuff's got to also, I'm surrounded. So, it's going to be windproof and surround proof is the first things I have to consider for my show. Now, do you use, do you use Velcro at all? I do. I use a lot of Velcro. Um, 
for I, and like if, if you have silks, I use bandanas in my show instead of silks. But um, for silks, if you have like rolled up silks that you're going to steal off the back of your table or something, um, I sew a, a piece of string to my table with a needle on the end of it. So when you roll up the silk, you put the needle through the last layer of the silk and it'll keep it there rolled until you pull it off the needle. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's a good way to hold silks. And then I, I Velcro a little uh, box uh, top to the table where the silk can sit in there. So even if it blows out of there, it's still connected to the needle and uh, threaded to my table. It, even if it gets out of one thing, you still got a, a backup, it's still, so to speak. Right. Yeah, yeah. Again, yeah, this sounds like off. something you learned the hard way. Yes. <laughs> Where did that go? <laughs> oh, there it is, way over the other side of the deck. Now, you also use doves in your show. I do. Um, I, I There's 10 birds in my show, mostly doves, but a couple parakeets and a pigeon. And uh, I don't clip my birds' wings. They can all fly. So uh, that is another thing to consider if you're working outside and you're a dove guy. Um, it's just, uh, you know, training with the birds. Um, my uh my spotlights, my lights that I bring to the show uh, pretty much keep my doves with me. But I train my doves for return flight. Um, like when magicians do dove tosses, mm -hmm. I don't do any tosses outside, but I train them for that just in case they ever do get away from me. They will circle and come back to me. But um, I've been very lucky out here um, all this time. So so I want to go, yeah, I want to go dive a little deeper in the dove thing. Yeah. Um, only because I, I don't think you're seeing less doves being used nowadays. And yeah. a lot of us don't know a lot about uh, the birds. But, I mean, I have seen, I would say, at least half of the shows I've seen, doves, always, at least one dove always seems to get away, flying to rafters, whatever. And I'm thinking, this guy works outdoors. How how have you not lost any doves? Yeah, um, I see it all the time, too. It's like one always flies away and it hits the back curtain and slides down to the floor and it looks bad. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it, ju it just does. You know, as soon as that happens, the whole crowd, oh, and it's bad. <laughs> Um, not all my doves, but most of them, whether I'm doing an invisible harness production or not have harnesses on them. So, uh, I can hold a loop when they're on my finger, but after a while they, they, I don't even have to hold it. They, they know they're not going anywhere. They do it. I'm working so much. These guys, most of the time they train their doves and if they do one show a month, you know, the, the bird forgets mine or, you know, there's 10 birds in my show right now, but I have 24. I rotate them. So they get nights off cause I'm working so much, but uh -huh. they're always in rotation. They're always working. So they, so they know what they're doing. The same bird does the same trick all the time, and it knows it's going in the cage afterwards, and I take it out after. Like They, they know the routine. So you, even if you're not working, you got to keep working the birds at home. To, to You know, you can't just give them a month off and then all of a sudden throw them and think they're going to come right back to you. They, they might, you know, forget. Oh, okay. So just so you know, just from my perspective, wow, what you just put out, very important. One the rotation of the doves, I've never even thought about that. The fact that, you know, you don't want to overwork them. Right. But two, you know, the amount of training that you're doing with them. Um, uh, that, you know, you're not just, hey, I trained him a couple of months ago. I'm sure he's got it. Uh, right. Yeah. Really interesting. Really. Um, uh, yeah. You, you got to keep them. I know it's you don't want to set up your act and do it if you're not getting paid. But that's, you know, you got to keep the birds. Uh, you got to keep them working. You got to keep so, in, so you're in there, telling in people they might have to practice. Yeah, unfortunately, it's kind of a thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so let's also, because you set up your own lights, right? Yeah. You don't, you don't do any kind of backdrop, though, do you? Uh, I have backdrops for uh, if the wind's cranking off the bay at my back, I can put them up with bungee cords. Um, so I have ways to block the wind. You know, if it's at my back, that's when they'll help. But 
from my left, right, or in my face, there's really nothing I can do. So, so you're going to have to use sandbags or something with these backdrops, right? I mean, oh, uh, I don't, I don't have like a, it on a stand. I just bungee corded this, uh, like a, from the the stage to the, a pole across the other way. I have it worked out over the years. The right size bungee cords. Okay. I just put it up there, and, and it fits across there. Understood. Um, okay. And so some of the most of the stages here have the plastic clear flaps that you can drop down, and you know they zip like around the tiki bar stage, and the flaps drop down. So uh, some of the places I, I can just drop their flaps down to block the wind as well. Wow. All right. Lights. Even though lighting is uh, kind of heavy in its own, when you put a bunch of lights up on a thing, but they're they're top heavy. Right. So that, I was yes, exactly. So that's another thing. Ten pound dumbbell, um, uh, cast iron. 10 pound dumbbell painted black. It sits right in the crotch of the um, stand and weighs it down. You can put two of them on because, you know, the three legs that come out of the stand, there's three things that you can fit two 10 pound dumbbells and then the lights won't go anywhere. Same with the mic stand. Mic stands are blow over. Um, I use, you know, those little Velcro things you like Velcro around your ankle to put mm -hmm. weight on when you walk. Yes. Uh, those are perfect for being tight around the bottom of a mic stand again painted black so it doesn't stand out too much but if you're out there and uh you know you don't want to blown over those work great they're five pounds and they don't take up they're not too awkward looking it's just a little black circle at the bottom of your mic stand and Michael, it, it, it sounds like you're getting a workout just hauling your equipment to the stage my, my weights <laughs> i know <laughs> yeah. Yeah. now <clears throat> let's go back to the magnets for a moment yeah because i'm going to assume that as you experiment uh, with whatever things you're magnetizing to the table, yeah. that you probably go through sometimes two or three magnets till you get that right hold slash release, you know, because you got to be Definitely. able to pull it off easily, but at the same time hold it. So talk about size, that for a moment. Size, thickness, strength, all that is kind of a um, trial and error thing. And kjmagnetics.com, kjmagnetics.com is awesome. They have every single kind of magnet, square, cylinder, blocks, rings with holes in them. Uh, flat, fat. Um, okay. So, yeah, stock up on, on magnets, different sizes and strengths, and, and, and test them um, until you get what, what you're comfortable with that you know won't blow over, but it's easy enough for you to get on and off your table without looking like you're fighting your table to get a glass <laughs> off of it. You know, right? Now, do you, do you use the neodymiums at all? They're super strong ones. Yeah, they're they're, they're small, strong. I use them for some things. Um, uh, I'll tell you one thing I use them for is in my jacket, my for my, my dove pockets. It keeps mm -hmm. them closed but easily open when the dove comes out. Oh wow. Okay. Um, yeah. See I wouldn't yeah, even the, that's another thing I would not know at all. That fact that you have to use a magnet to help keep the pocket closed. Yeah. Um you don't have to, but that's why you see people with their little dove's head sticking out <laughs> when they're working. <laughs> now let me so here's the answer, and we'll go back to what I said in the very beginning. So apparently, I mean, you're still using these same tables even when you work indoors. Yeah, so that that's why that table was set. That's my outside table. So when it did fall over at the convention, everything was secure. So I did get to just pick it. I, I think I think I did. Uh, all the glasses I use in my show are um, acrylic. Mm -hmm. So if they do go over on a cement floor or whatever, they don't smash everywhere. But at that convention, I was using a, a glass glass for my goldfish, and I think that broke, but everything, that's not something I normally use in my show out here. So uh, that did break, but everything else picked up and stayed on the table, and I just got to carry on with the show. I mean, that alone, what a, what a great thing. Not that that happens that often, but... Yeah, I, no. yeah I know. Yeah, but it's just fun. It's, it's a fun question for me because of the fact that 
you're so used to working now with these tables, you don't even bother, you know, like, oh, I'm working indoors, so I won't use them. And no, I'll just still use them because you're used yeah, to Yeah, it's all, it's all in my showcase. I mean, they all fit in there. So it's just the same show, you know. Um, yeah. And these tables look great. Michael Finney turned me on to making some covers for them, and they look great. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you this. You have now worked outdoors for 20-plus years. Yeah. What? Tell me one or two things that you learned about working. I mean, other than this, obviously, we know about the wind and all that, but what did you learn there working in Lorelei? Oh, man. I guess I have so much. My show was actually built there. When I first started there, I was only doing 10 minutes between bands, and now I'm like the main attraction there doing my 45-minute show. Um, I've learned how to keep a crowd. Again, that's not really the outside working thing, but that's probably the biggest thing because that's how I make my living. But again, that's another podcast um, right. subject for us. Um, but that's yeah. all right. We can cover the fact that, I mean, you do have to keep this crowd. They're sitting outdoors. They're drinking, right? And I, yeah, I have to get their attention, keep their attention, and get them to give me money afterwards. And I'm working my hat like a like a street performer. So mm-hmm. um, that that's the biggest thing is to keep them entertained and get them to stay enjoy the show and to give you their hard-earned money and so your show is literally built on audience feedback oh yeah definitely right i mean it's not like i'm gonna sit in here and think what's a great show you i'm sure you have done things when this is going to be great and it found out well the audience didn't like it as much as i did that happens a lot and i learned that early from lance burton listen to your audience um they'll, they'll let you know for sure you know Everyone thinks their stuff's great and you want it to be great. And I have stuff that I thought was going to just kill and would always be in my show. And I've tried it for months. And it's got to work. What can I do? And just sometimes it doesn't. And you got to listen to your audience for sure. And now what about because when you work outdoors, you got wind, you got everything. Uh, do you have problems with dirt? Um, not so much. Uh, some of the places are not the ones I work at regularly, but mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you have to go across the sand beach to get to the stage. Um, and that's just kind of always sucks with your equipment, you know, mm-hmm. having to carry it with your cart when wheels doesn't roll good across there. Um, I think the biggest thing is if it happens, a rain, rain's the, probably the worst thing that happens. Um, you know, I'm always checking the radar, like I'm a roofer or a painter to see if I'm working tonight, but we have so much good <laughs> weather down here. Uh, uh, you know, it rarely happens, but sometimes it's not even on the radar. A, a rain cloud could just pop up and dump on you and I'm not covered out there at, um, Lorelei. So that's, you know, all my stuff sometimes just gets wet. If I know it's coming, I'll prepare with trash bags and tarps and stuff. But sometimes it just pops up and dumps and you get wet. Yeah, that's, that's, that's show business, right? Yeah. <laughs> so let me ask you, what, working here again at this very unique venue, what is one of the most um, satisfying things for you? Um, being there 21 years is that um, makes me feel old, but I love seeing it that, kids that used to sit down front and watch my show bring their kids to sit down front and watch my show now. Wow. That's cool. Um, this generally, you know, same people come back every year and they either bring, you know, people that haven't seen me before or, mm-hmm. or locals, always people that come to visit. I'm on the list of stuff to do here now. So I think just being, um, having people come back all the time, they don't see me once and go, all right, we're good. They come back and they bring people to see it themselves. And, uh, they were once kids watching my show, and now they're bringing their kids. I think that's pretty cool. That's awesome. All right, Michael, we're, we're to the part of the show where I ask the question, which is, uh, as I'm sure a lot of people have come up to you to ask you, because you have a whole lecture on working outdoors and and how you do the things you do with the tables and that. Right. 
But what's the one question, I'm sure everybody wants to, you know, of course I want to work outdoors and how to do it, but what's the one question that they never seem to ask you, but they probably should be asking you right off the bat? Mm. Yeah, they, I mean, people just say, oh, you know, uh, I can find an outdoor venue and do my show there. And um, it's mostly, uh, they should be asking me about material, like if they're not going to copy my act, obviously, but um, is your show even an outdoor show, uh, you know, it could work maybe as a parlor show indoors and you're doing all cards for, for 20 minutes for 20 people. But is that going to stand up outside in 50 mile an hour winds with 200 people? Probably not. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they should be asking me about material and, and, uh, and windproofing their act. I guess they, they don't, you know, they, they just all of a sudden book a gig outside. All right, he can do it. I can do it. They get out there and it's a disaster their first couple times, you know? Yes. So it should be uh, asking me about outdoor material or um, weatherproofing their show. Right. Right at the beginning. They have to, yeah. Is there, could, even with all of your knowledge, you can't save every show right. <laughs> as an outdoor show, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. That is, yep. that's good stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a point, you know, anything over 20 mile an hour winds, I pretty much, I have to cancel. It does get too bad sometimes, you know, I'm not, uh, I'm brave out there, but I'm not stupid, you know, so <laughs> well, I don't know. That, that, that's, um, yeah. Sometimes it's just too much and then you got to, yeah, he's surprised night off, you know, when you work six nights a week all the time, it's not so bad gotcha. having a night off once in a while. Wow. You yeah. know what, Michael, what a pleasure to have you on the show what a what a blast it was to learn uh cool new new things thanks a lot for coming on the show it was an honor christian thank you for having me i really do appreciate it thank you for listening to our magic business podcast please visit the magic where you can hear all of our magic business podcasts and enjoy a vast array of additional magical knowledge we'd like to leave you with this really fun quote from harry houdini the great trouble with magicians is the fact that they believe when they have bought a certain trick or piece of apparatus and to know the method or procedure that they are full-fledged mystifiers. As always, we at the Magic Oracle wish you continued success on your path in the magical arts.